All right, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have Vivian Ertz. Vivian is a Dutch New York-based vocalist, conductor, and composer with a focus on electronics, chocolate, and multi-sensory experience design, who can be found in a plethora of different projects. She's got band ensembles, um, duo acts, solo acts, ones that involve looping, uh, acapella acts, and even one where you can eat the music. Vivian and her husband, Ted, Ted happens to be a pastry chef, do an improv performance, which is Vivian makes a soundscape and Ted will paint an edible picture out of chocolate to the soundscape. And at the end of it, everyone gets to eat this painting. That's so cool. There's nothing like that. And that's what we're looking for. We're always looking to be shown a completely new direction. And that's what Vivian and her work does. Um, she also has a new album out called Type of Thing. And it takes the idea of edible music to the next level. Type of Thing is Vivian with 100 next generation female musicians in collaboration with Original Beans Chocolate. Type of Thing aims to empower the female cacao workers of Venrunga State Park in the Congo, which is already so cool, right? So how this works is, uh, or how this worked is this whole album is female musicians. And to take it to the next step with uh, the type of improv performance Vivian's already doing, she paired up with Original Bean, which is an all-female uh, farmer cacao plant. So with every physical copy of the record, you get a bar of Original Bean chocolate which in turn is supporting, beyond fair trade rates, these female cacao farmers. And a whole ensemble of female musicians. Like, this is a super inspiring endeavor. In Vivian Matches, this endeavor, our conversation was very, very inspiring and uplifting. Not only is she involved in these performance endeavors, but she's also a teacher. And she's one of the only teachers in Effortless Mastery, a course that is available through Berkeley, based on Kenny Werner's book, Effortless Mastery, in the world. So there's two people that teaches this practice, her and Kenny. So this conversation kind of flows in between ideas of Effortless Mastery, her history, and the new album type of thing. And it's a very, very inspiring conversation. And I'm super excited to be able to share it with you guys. But before we do that, there's a couple things. One, we gotta hear a track from the record. This is The Way You Touched My Hand, off Type of Thing, Vivian Ertz. Touched my hand. 
With tenderness in your eyes, you touch my hand. It makes me feel wise. I still try to understand. Why did you find the The Way You Touched My Hand, Vivian Arts. The album is Type of Thing, available now on all streaming platforms. But I recommend you go to Vivian's website or Vivian's Bandcamp and order a physical copy so you can get the chocolate bar that goes with and support the cause. Now, that track in particular was a little more experimental than everything else on the record, but we spent a, a bit of time talking about it. So that's why I wanted to share that one. Also, it's one of my favorites. Um... A few more things to plug. Uh, I play in a band called C-Level, letter C-Level. Um, we are a funk-punk reggae rock group out of Cleveland, Ohio. We take 12-string acoustic guitars and run them through amplifiers as well as other various strung instruments. Uh, we have a couple shows coming up, one of which is at the Westside Bowl in Youngstown, Ohio with the Bumping Uglies. So if you hear this interview and you're like, I can dig this guy's, uh, this guy's banter, maybe he's got some music worthwhile, um, check out C-Level. Com. If you're in Youngstown, Ohio, we're playing with the Bumping Uglies. July 14th, and we're playing outside the Rock Hall in Cleveland, Ohio, August 17th. Um, anywho, this also is a kind of a, a step conversation into another interview with Kenny Warner, diving into effortless mastery. 
So if you want to dive deeper into the effortless mastery mindset, or if you're inspired by what Vivian says, like I was during this conversation, you might want to check out that interview as well. That one will be coming out in a few weeks. Anywho, last thing, if you like this podcast and you dig it, if you can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast and any of the podcast platforms, it helps me keep talking to cool guests like Vivian and sharing their insight with you. So without further ado, this is my conversation, my very inspired conversation with Vivian Arts. To, to to get into it, I wanted to ask you about mindful improvisation. Right. Well, um, I have a background in psychology and in music. So I grew up in the Netherlands in, the, in a place called Leiden, uh, which is half an hour south of Amsterdam. And it has a big university. So in um, 2004, well... Right. I went to study psychology in Leiden at the university. I did my bachelor and my master. And at the same time, all these years, I studied at the conservatory for first singing. And then I graduated. I focused on um, choir conducting. So in the daytime, I was a therapist. And in the evenings, I was working with five choirs as a piano player and conductor, because most often you know, you're doing both because there's not always a band available. So I was the conductor and leader and I, I was arranging a lot. Um, and yeah, five choirs. So that was a, all different ones. There was a Dutch choir and a jazz choir. Uh, there was a sailor choir. <laughs> I had a um, children's choir and I had a psychiatric patient choir at this uh, local institution. And um I was doing a lot of jazz, but with these choirs, it was all different genres, obviously. And um, I worked, yeah, in the daytime, I was just doing regular therapy with different people with different problems in a private practice. And um, it was not, and in the weekends, I would just perform with my band, with my own original songs. And um, I did that for a couple of years. And I was very interested in the combination of my two professions. But first, I went to Berkeley because I figured, well, I want to learn more and focus more on my voice and on composition. And I had one years before that, uh, before I graduated, I won a scholarship from Berkeley. So when I finally finished my studies and was already working a bit, I just hit Berkeley up. I'm like, hey, can I still come? And they say, yes, you should totally come. So it was all sort of all paid for. I got a Fulbright and got some private funding because people, I told people to buy my album. My second, I, yeah, my third album came just came out, but I told people to buy my second album and um, I sold a bunch of them to just, you know, help me go to Berkeley. Uh, it was before Kickstarter and all that was like a thing, especially in the Netherlands, it, that trickled through just later. But I was able to just do that. And so in 2012, I went to Berkeley and I was already um, with my vocal groups and the people I would teach. I would always discuss like, you know, circle song exercises to get them out of their mind, into their body. And what you always find is then if you would improvise with a group vocally, there's a lot of people that think they need to do it well. Right. There's a lot of mental blocks like, oh, I need to improvise. And, you know, as a jazz singer by then and conductor, I was very used to improvise. And I knew, you know, you, you learn so much. 
And I was helping these amateur people uh, just for their hobby to just get out of their head into their body. Any sound is a sound. And if you do collective improvisation, then instead of mindful, it could be mindless, which is even better. So by now I would maybe even change the term, but you know, it resonates. So I came up with that and I'm sure there's other people that, you know, use these terms. Um, it's not an official, but yeah, I created that. Um, I did a bunch of workshops with all these different exercises um, before I went to, even went to Berkeley. And then uh, funny enough, during Berkeley, I was focusing on super jazz and like I got into this honors program in 2012. So that's been a while, but I got to work with like Gelovano, Dave Liebman, um, Patitucci and, and, uh, Danila Perez in the Global Jazz Program. I don't know if you heard about that, but Berkeley has this like this special bubble where the the jazz nerds go, and uh, I was the only singer at that time uh, in my year. And by now, it's I mean it's, it, everything's bigger. Um, at that time, there was no master's program; there was just undergrad. By now, they have a master's. Um, so during my last semester, I meet Kenny Werner, and he's teaching about this book he wrote 28 years ago, 20, maybe 30 years ago. And Effortless Mastery, that's this book. It talks about how to let the music play itself, how to just let go of this need to sound good and that stuff that gets into your mind, you know, things like I'm not good enough or what do they think about me and being frustrated about stuff you don't know yet which is in a way ridiculous, but still we do it, right? Oh, I don't, you know, I suck. All these little voices that you could experience that don't facilitate your growth, right? Because if it would help to punish yourself, we would recommend it. (laughs) So I, I met him during my last semester and he was there as the artistic director of the Performance Wellness Institute. And it was my last semester, his first semester. He didn't really have classes yet. It was just all open space. And Berkeley hired him to be the director of this, this Berkeley Wellness Institute, which basically was a meetup group for the people from the teachers from yoga and body mapping to just talk about wellness in the school. So after a while, we, I mean, during that, that my last semester, I was like, Kenny, where's everybody? So I, I started a mailing list within Berkeley and I grew the Institute with him over the last 10 years. Um, now we have, I mean, obviously it changed its name yeah. to Berkeley Effortless Mastery Institute after his book. And we're still meeting with yoga and body mapping teachers and Alexander Technique. We even have Chai Chi so they can take a minor in this stuff. But when I met him, I was like, wow, this is a blend of what I do. This is the key for delivering people that study music, right? Delivering artists in the world that are themselves, that love what they do, and they they could make a change from within. With Global Jazz, we were doing community service and like healing the world outside in. But with Effortless Mastery Institute, we are changing the world inside out because if we feel better, we're going to be better people. We can, uh, we're able to just make a change. So that became my thing. And I've been growing that institute since since the very beginning of it, seeing all his classes. And after a while, um, these teachings that are in the book are now basically a method. And this method, I'm the first official uh, certified teacher because I've, I was just hanging in there for so many years. 
and we needed to expand the classes. So in order to create more sections, um, they find me enough. Instead of hiring me as a vocal teacher or a piano teacher, they decided to hire me as an official effortless mastery teacher. And we have now 95 students per uh, this semester. And then next semester, again, we're expanding our sections. So we're growing a lot. Berkeley, I mean, Berkeley's big. We have 7,000 students. Wow. It's a yeah. factory. <laughs> oh, Studios. It's like, a, you know, Walt Disney for music. <laughs> Everything is here. <laughs> that's a, that's fascinating. I, I mean, I get overwhelmed with 70, 70 kids. <laughs> Jeez. But so that that's that's really interesting that you're on your own journey of the kind of effortless, effortless mastery sort. Like with mm-hmm. this, like, so what were some, did some of the exercises that you were running with these choirs, because each one you said is a vastly different set of uh, maturity, and like kind mm-hmm. of like uh know uh, in some cases knowing like if, with the sac- uh, psychiatric unit like I don't know what that looked like I I did one I went to CS Cleveland State for music therapy so uh-huh. um I I had to run a couple groups like that and like in those ty- similar sounding like uh, um, right I'm uh, sure populations but like there there is that thing where like you really bring down what the guard of what's socially accepted as good okay let me sorry i'm getting off off topic my question is (laughs) did uh what did those methods that you developed with your choirs that became um uh mindful improv kind of overlap with the effortless mastery exercises that kenny kind of uses during that uh, at least from that first book well i would say everything is basically the same though okay right how do people let go of their thoughts. They feel their body. That means they have to be in, in the moment. Kenny calls that the space. What Kenny is doing is basically beha- cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. Right? He yeah, doesn't yeah. call it like that. But we're reconditioning ourselves to first love what we do and who we are as a just a better, it might not be true, but who cares? It's a better starting point than hating yourself. Right. So that's layer one, right? You want to peel back the layers of like all oh, the thoughts. What if, what if that lives in the future? And the thoughts of, oh, you know, I could have done or that's all in the past. Regretting the past and f- being anxious about the future. You want to be in the moment. How do you get to the moment? Everybody is in agreement pretty much that you take a breath because if you take a breath and that's not new about Kenny's method. The new thing basically about what Kenny's doing is that he he even cuts it down to a simple exercise that's even shorter than anybody would, you know, you can go meditate and then for 45 minutes you're sitting in the lotus and you feel like, you're flying, or you know, you might be annoyed that it's not really working for you. But imagine it works. Or you go yoga, or you go running, and you're like super chill, right? You get back to your instrument, you're stressed again. That's the innovation. You do music therapy at yourself on your instrument. You need to touch the instrument. You need to reestablish a neutral connection without any care, without any responsibility or any expectations. You need to. Reestablish that. Yeah, 
Yeah, that, that's and I think that's what's so. Powerful. So there's no newness about that, right. right? Because we all agree on that philosophy. Eckhart Tolle is saying it. Wim Hof, this Iceman, right? He's saying that. All of them, the the Buddhists, the yoga, they all say you have to be in the moment. You have to let go of the thought. Blah, blah, blah. It's all the same. The question is, how do you make that cool philosophy a practice? So I don't I don't think see any differences to that. It's for me, it's just a blend of all these philosophies. And in Kenny's way, we we've divided in four steps, as you've, you know, as you've probably read in the book, there's step one and two about finding that moment, finding that space and touching the instrument. Where in step one, you find a space of no thoughts or of being in a moment, you take that breath and you play one note. When your mind is like, oh, which note? That's not the space, <laughs> right? You care and you don't care. So that's a journey. That's reconditioning your ego, thus your mind to stay out of the way. So step one is touching the instrument and playing one note. Step two is playing multiple notes, staying in that space, prolonging the time without the desire of staying in the space because that could create an all other circle, right? I need to do effortless mastery well, then... You're going to suck at that because that creates a mind fuck either. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, and then step three and four is obviously the, the most asked question about this book. Well, if I'm so happy with everything I do, why would I ever improve? Right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you can be inspired and curious and happy with yourself because there, at some point, if you let go of like the need to sound good and the, you know, the, the, all these depressive thoughts if you let go of that you're you're in the moment and you're like yeah what i do is the music became what i do right you become the instrument that plays the instrument and then there's basically stuff you know and can do and there's stuff that you don't know yet and that's merely a choice so step three and four are about finding out what you know and not know and then loving yourself for it and then being open to that new information in step four, you zoom in so deeply, not until you could do it, but until it plays itself. So in a way, it's structured two ways, right? Find a space. And then with that space, you learn new information. But obviously, because, you know, I that's easily explained. It's a process. It's it's a thing you every day, do every day, like brushing your teeth. You add it to your life and you... As he says, you practice things for the effect it has on your playing. You're like a river, you carve a path. And that river from a little creek becomes a big, big, wide water over the years. So, and what our ego doesn't allow us to admit is that when learning something so deeply that it plays itself, it has a collateral effect on, the, on everything we do. Because your ego might say, oh, this is just one bar. <laughs> this is just one. Oh, I'm still not famous. Right? It's just a couple of chords. No, you would later find out through the process that studying something so deeply will create stuff in your brain that will just trickle into everything you do as your other playing. Right? If you practice... Um, just a chord bah, bah, with your left hand five, right? Bah, bah, on one and on two and. Bah, bah. 
And you do that so deeply and you're staying in this space and nothing in your body is just resisting it. And your body is doing it, not your mind controlling your hands. No, your body is doing it. That's motoric skill. That's muscle memory. Then no performance anxiety can beat that. Nothing can come, you know, if there's a famous person or a journalist in your audience, you could still do a pop up because it's playing itself. You can have hiccups. You're not, you know, all the stuff we do without our mind involved, we sneeze, we, we, you're not like left foot, right foot, left. No, you're just walking. Stuff happens by itself. You want to play music from that place. That it plays itself. So that's a whole, yeah, it's a whole process in that sense. That takes, in in Berkeley, we have like uh, 30 weeks. It's two semesters. And so it's a heavy course. We They meet now four hours a week doing that. So it's really a mental process. But basically, I've been doing different exercises for distracting your mind and making sure that you're back to your breathing. These exercises I came up with myself right there's a gazillion of ways to distract your mind from caring wow. so like because like thinking like i mean all that makes like complete let's just like you said it makes complete sense and like right. um it's i get it really the thinking of it is kind of like cognitive uh uh, behavioral therapy like to but in the positive sense like totally um good brainwash yeah yeah wash yeah. your brain from the bad stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> He's, I love it. that's the kenny's kenny's words <laughs> but like, we all need it so, yeah <laughs> so like kind of like studying all this on your own like coming from this like very clinical background of psychology mm -hmm. did you did you find that kind of hindered the letting go because you were kind of aware of it in a way or did it make it easier because you're like oh it's neuroplasticity i'm if i keep doing it i'm gonna make new pathways i'm gonna it's gonna be you know what i mean like kind of believing the method no. no okay well it's nice to know all these things but if i work with a, a person with a burnout or a person with anxiety then i'm not like uh, it's never gonna help for me to open a book and say oh you have this <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Right. So I've been always very intuitive with my methods and see what works for the person. And thank God I worked in a private practice where that was possible. Right. Um, right. We could do a lot of different things and just check in with, with the client and see, oh, how about this? You know, we I didn't even like drawing. They had to draw a tree, I remember at some point. And then we would talk about the tree they draw. And I remember one client I, and I, we just tell, oh, can, can you? draw they have to draw a couple things but one of them was a tree and they, did this client draw a tree that was like cut half and then in the center of this tree was a little twig coming out i mean that's beautiful isn't yeah. it yeah oh, yeah that's... and i didn't tell him what to draw yeah. i just told him to draw a tree he could have drawn like the one on you know i'm looking at right now <laughs> could be any <laughs> so that makes for first of all good conversation right right yeah i i i had i was lucky in the private practice it was a little chaotic because of that you know we could the do structure everything. of the private um, practice is usually... <laughs> but uh yeah i'm i'm okay with wearing multiple hats and doing doing a lot of like as you probably know no um i yeah by now i work at berkeley i worked in 
inside of Berkeley with Kenny, but also outside of Berkeley with Kenny. That's my education hat. Um, and then I work for myself as a musician. I just released my third album. And then with my husband, we create multi-sensory performance art. So I love wearing a lot of, yeah, my husband is a pastry chef. So there's a lot of chocolate in our life and we do a lot of experiments and creating spontaneous artworks. And that's in line with the effortless mastery method, right. right? You want to be okay with whatever comes out. If you believe every note is fine, it's going to be good. Because our favorite artists, even if they play only three chords, they became the instrument. They're the light. They're a channel for what needs to come out. And that's why they sh- they are we are drawn into that light, right? right? And it doesn't matter how many chords they play, because the stuff they play, they own. They are, they become that. That's that's the X factor, basically. Yeah, it's a, um, it's kind of like at an early age, I, I tried to figure out why people liked different Beatles when they weren't together. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they're still the Beatles, just apart, but it was the personnel factor, I guess. Whatever, if the X is like. Paul McCartney is sillier and I like sillier people. It it's them being them through their their exactly. mode of expression. And like totally. and like together it's great because you get all the flavors, but separate, you know, it's equally as well as great as well. If you want a sweet guy or a dark chocolate or right. <laughs> like I don't know what John Lennon would be. But like um and I think that's really important to find to be able to trust that within yourself. And that's why I think it's mm-hmm. so great about like the effortless mastery, like one the course now, but when I when I came across it, it was the book, and the one the totally. the one uh um, which is still a book. I mean, but like it was I, I had the CD in the back, you know, and like the the one quote that I I keep going back to is can he put it in a way like there's a cosmic uh, uh bank account. I'm probably gonna say it wrong. A cosmic bank account and like Miles Davis and John Coltrane, they they all draw accounts from it, and we we draw from that. And he'd said something along the lines of, I don't want to draw from their account, rather start my own. And like, I think that's to find that, like how you, how you've been expressing a sense of being okay with whatever comes out. And like, and it's, it's gotta be difficult. I find, or it's not gotta be, I I found it to be more difficult in like an academic setting because like you have all these, like these things that most people don't grade you on or care about or look at, you know, now are being examined and like maybe right. and, and a lot of a lot of my peers came in knowing all this stuff where I came from a, a background of going to uh, uh, bars. My dad would take me to bars as a kid <laughs> and I'd play. I'd play. I would sit in with the bands. Right. So I was learning in, in the moment like that. But to come into mm-hmm. like a, being a very structured read off this play off this, there wasn't like there was a much more impact if you played something wrong or you know there was a much more like right. a, attention you know what, what we call it right now recently he came up with a new um a new it's it's, it's called msd music school disease because music school disease is when as as kenny puts it when something that feels good must be the wrong stuff because you're taught Every day that music is hard because every day you need to do something that's complex. And at right. some moment you think, oh, playing music is actually really complicated. It, it doesn't feel, yeah. So you don't believe in this, this stuff coming out easily. Whereas that's proof of mastery, right? Making the complicated easy. 
and feel good. You don't, you should never doubt something that comes out easily because that's the right thing to do. And then the other thing he says is the chronic critique syndrome. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yes. Because every day you hear you suck, right? Oh yeah, you played great, but how about bar five? Or, you know, (laughs) also they say, oh, you should be yourself. And then afterwards they still judge you because they're the teacher. So, and that there is this dynamic yeah and you just were weren't you yourself and then yeah no it's it, it could be music's and not only berkeley it's every yeah. school in its own way is is you know it's it's because of accreditation and we go at the end of the semester you do a jury yeah, yeah. can can talk about that you know <laughs> quite extensive um yeah so that's the basically uh the problem of going to music school right i mean it, it all times yeah right? and it all comes from a good place it's to better your your thing right but like like you're saying you lo- like so with your journey through kind of going in multi fields at the same time which i i really relate to <laughs> like i really relate to that um that kind of chaotic taking all in but like to was it easier to kind of let go of mistakes in a way and kind of accept where you are and grow on because you were doing so many different things and as well as studying kind of psychology? Because like I feel if someone if you hyper focus on a thing or one direction, I must be this. There's no outcome other than me being whatever that is. Those mm. mistakes may hit a little harder. I'm not sure. I think there's no one way to go um, because you also you could have had um, a parent that's really destructive, right? Or a teacher or somebody that just talks you out of it. And then how many people go, you know, they're adults and are like, oh, I used to play violin, but, you know, I started hating it and then I quit. I wish I never quit. So many people have that. So I I don't think doing multiple things and, you know, betting on different, that doesn't, still you could be like really depressed about stuff. I, I don't think there's a guarantee for success. What you you know what works for most people is just learning how to just stop and take a breath and see what's right for them because there's no one way to deal with stuff as you you know as you probably know everybody is different and yeah. we appreciate that and that's the problem of of especially creative schools right it's also dance and painting we want them to be themselves but how are you going to teach the people to be themselves because you if you're going to say oh you should be yourself now then they're going to be the picture they paint of their perfect self so they lost themselves along the aim for being the, right so what you want to do is have them find a space or the moment or inner body different you know how to do music therapy on yourself you could do music therapy when you perform at carnegie hall because you're making a connection with yourself and that shines through into the audience right so yeah i see it as as one big picture um did you was it always kind of that big picture for you or is that slowly become pieces i think over recent years i've been just more able to verbalize it but intuitively i was never i've been always like just going for stuff yeah right (laughs) 
that's just my personality and I just don't it's yeah I don't really take no for an answer so I I really work hard um and I just like yeah I put my soul into it because yeah I also I'm very like I really want to help the world right I don't I, I hate it when people are like dishonest and mean and all that jazz i i cannot really deal with it so yeah there's a big sustainability message in what i do and what i love and people should be nice that's why that's you know that's not kenny (laughs) (laughs) but But, uh yeah that's that's me personally i i want to i think this is the because also growing up in europe jazz is seen as a classical music almost they say we teach you how jazz is supposed to be like (laughs) but jazz historically was not grown to be like how this is how you do it right and i agree on i mean even jazz we we should call it american music right black american music now um styles that would fall under jazz are created by so much history and it's amazing to study that but i could never be a copy of my teacher, who is a copy of, right? right? In the end, you're going to create all these layers of copies and you lose, you lose the, the light of music. It, yeah. So I saw, I saw this. Yeah. I think this is really one of the ways out to actually make a change in the world because everybody's, you know, stuck in Instagram and TikTok and nobody's <laughs> all right. And, yeah how how do you create innovation is through creative creativity and to people being themselves and just finding out and meeting and meeting them and each other um so yeah that's my personal mission i would say i mean with with my latest album that's what i'm doing too Uh, i don't know if you checked it out of course yeah no like um (laughs) like trying to trying to like kind of build into that but to say what you just it's it is very hard when everything the self-expression is is now a uh, formulated um device that we put it in it has to hit an algorithm to reach an audience whatever um and like how can you stretch that rhythm right that's in one whatever time signature that right. is and like um but also the kind of like the, so so slowly developing this like sense of self what it keeps me bringing it brings up this mary oliver quote who's a poet um and she had this uh her, her i'm gonna mix it up a little bit but it's around the the idea of like it was in a book about writing poetry or reading poetry it's like um freedom of expression comes to the diligent um patient and um not uh always practicing like are always going for it the person that was right. always trying to uh to achieve it it that's when it gets there is for these people that are endlessly looking for that way to freedom and like being there mm-hmm. is a big part of it so like so one thing i wanted to ask to jump into the new album with polaroid that's the album right that you used to to help get you the berkeley is that the one you're yeah is that, polaroid the, the acapella yeah yeah, yeah. That's an incredible record. And like, thank you. One thing, like, listening to that and then listening to this new record, it's like they're that freedom, that sense of like what effortless mastery. Like, when I listen to some of Kenny's works and when I listen to like mm-hmm. some like Coltrane art, artists that who like, um, 
live on that edge of like structureless structure, like I hear it in that record. And it's a type of thing, right? Right. Yes. Okay. Type of thing. Type of thing. <laughs> Which is a joke. I love it though. <laughs> I love it. Like it's a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, sonically it's all over the place, which is so beautiful. That explains the name. And like yes. Because I I know when you initially, I think it was in 2020, you asked everyone to send you a note, right? Or you just right. asked for a bunch of Just emails. one note. Right. So when you get that, it was like, what, 40 or 70 plus emails of a note? Yep. Was it, what Was it like acapella or was it like instruments? It was any instruments, okay. any Buddy, uh, all different. Yeah, they just send me a random note, and some people were like, "Oh, which note, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, any, as long as you know." Even some people send me a sample, as long as it's not longer than five seconds, that was cool. Um, so yeah, I got a whole bunch of like random sounds. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? I, I was there like a, a pattern of like notes? You're like, oh man, I got a lot of B flats. You know what I mean? Or like. Did it was notice? pretty even. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Strangely enough. Yeah. It was, I did get all, all of the different chromatics. So yeah, that's, I mean, obviously for, uh, you know, I could detune some of it if right. it's really necessary in a moment, but most of them was still the same note. Um, yeah. And then I had, I think in the end, um, because that was sort of my test. Could I mobilize all these people? And well, it started with, uh, the chocolate bar that um, original we beans, use right? this company original beans and they have this amazing project where they they buy this bean to bar from this uh, female cacao farmer collective they're 1500 women in congo and they they get a living wage which is like 250 percent higher than fair trade so it's really nice yeah. Finally, they can grow the business. They can send the kids to school and they they empowered to just like do it over there. And I was inspired. So I was like, if we just buy their product for like the real price, we can just add it to the album. And then obviously on the album, we need a bunch of women. So I just put out a quest, hey, send me a note. And then I, it was a bunch of them. And I figured, okay, then this is possible. Um, so in addition to these notes, I gathered a few arrangers to make sure that the, also the, like the songs I wrote would be arranged for different bands. So there was a, there's a big uh, one girl made, made a big band, like a Cuban vibe, big band arrangement. And there's a choir arrangement and there's an orchestra. There's all these different songs. And in between, I use these samples, notes. In addition with some sounds from Congo that I got from this BBC radio journalist, she she was there in 2016 and she sent me all her sounds, like, like eight gigabytes of sounds, oh, wow. <laughs> all these interviews. And I had to sift through and just listen to everything. And, uh, you know, you hear the birds, but you hear them talk about in Swahili and then there's translations about, you know, you hear what they actually saying. I don't speak that language, but <laughs> <laughs> but there were translations as well. You hear the motorcycle in the water. You hear them digging in the ground, and there's all these sounds. So I I've been chopping all little bits, and there's even pick me singing. So yeah, for these soundscapes, I ended up with like 110 layers in my Logic file. Oh, Logic, I use Logic for my uh, music uh, creation, my my the digital part of it. 
So uh, there's 110 layers of like all these little bits, right? And all, <laughs> so that was like, I it's, it was like a big Sudoku puzzle, just making them run. And yeah, I did, because where do you start, right? right. If you if you line them up all at once, it's like, <laughs> and my computer crashed. I mean, and that was too much on one. Um, but eventually I got it. And so I just started randomly moving stuff out in time. So and then that, yeah, these soundscapes came came to, uh, but there was a lot of randomness because you have to start somewhere. Right. And like through the kind of through that randomness, is that like, and these are, did you add them to the compositions or these are in, like, cause I, I definitely hear the, the tracks in between where it's like the, yes. the kind of, okay. And like, but they blend so good. They blend so well. Let me use better words. They blend cool, right? so well into the tracks and the other compositions that like, yes. So another question I had with that. So you wrote these tunes, did you write them and like record them as just kind of like a straight ahead, like, um, chord singing and then send them to these uh, women to make different compositions of them or was it like a kind of a full arrangement already and then they kind of rearranged it well many of these songs I've been playing with a quartet or just by myself as a songwriter or some of them I was playing even years ago with my loop station so pretty much all the songs uh, were you know, had some live recording of some sort. So I could give my my arranger that. Um, and obviously a lead sheet with the, you know, the chords and the melody and uh, I think even text. You know, I always give them the the lyrics because that's nice. Yeah. Um, so they had an idea of the song and then I just let it, let them sit with it. And I would ask them what they would think they would want to do. So... For example, my friend Marielle Roberts, who's a cellist, and um, she she does a lot of experimental, like bizarre, like cellos are scared of her. <laughs> and I told her, "Hey, you could do with this song whatever you want." She's like, "Are you sure? Are you sure?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, go out." And she created this uh, this song that's like, <laughs> and on top of that, and I mean, it's a beautiful string quartet, but it's very. She wrote that all down on sheet music and so we I got back a score with all these bleeps and bloops and a lot of like accents and experimental techniques for strings and then I sent it out to all the players and they sent it back to me and then I had all these you know I had the parts together and I was like I still have no clue what happened <laughs> but it's cool so I, I was still I then then I looked back at her score and back I compared it with my lead sheet and I was like oh so if my intro was like four bars then let's try it out so I started four bars in yeah um and I sing my song and it fits perfectly uh. <laughs> but as you hear in the recording that song is is the most experimental of them all um and it just a, a, it's just a conglomerate of like yeah. right yeah, yeah. and then i my my song lays on top of it and it flows the melody is really like it holds it together in a way and then for example for the choir i used to do the choir thing i used to do that on my own with loops and then my friends uh, i sent her that little video of me doing it years ago and my friend Linnea from Sweden took it and she arranged it for loops well looping like a real choir like a 26 piece um 
group from all over the world. Yeah. And uh, which what song was that one? That's the first one. Just go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 And then um. And uh, I put the birds into it as well, <laughs> the jungle birds in the beginning. So yes, there's there's some sounds that are mixed into the original uh, to the arrangements of the songs. Okay, because yeah. I was like at that that very first track, I was like, because oh, when I was uh when I that's the first one I heard. Well, duh, it's the mm-hmm. first one. But like before reaching out to you, and I was like, whoa, this is this space this creates like, and that so okay, that's what made me really think. Um, all these uh, sounds and notes are compo- like composed throughout the whole, the the right. whole everything. So with that experimental one, was that touch uh, my hand? Was that the one? With- mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Because like, listen, I've I've gone back and listened to that one like a handful of times. I guess pun intended. But like, um, like just the like the that. I don't even know what it is, the experimental like-ness to it. Like, yeah, so much tension, but then you need tension to release, right? right. But it, it really, your, the melody fits so beautifully and like the song, right. like it works so well. So like that's, and like kind of comparing like um, uh, Polaroid to that, it was like, like a huge jump. Like yeah. with, the, with the, the, the effortlessness and the freeness kind of mentality and like, and right. I imagine a lot of that was probably in your plane right after, you know, or even probably during the recording. Because the, guess what? I wrote that melody probably in 2008 wow. or so. It's been just laying around for years. And uh, yeah, it was just never recorded for, yeah, the, the the way you touched my hand. So yeah, that that was an old song that I, I didn't really perform a lot because it, it's an intense melody and also... I mean, there was a lot of chords in my lead sheet, so she she had a lot to work with as well. But yeah, she took it to a whole difference. It's like, so cool. <laughs> Did um... it, it's like my song on Mars. Kenny Kenny Werner has this uh, vinyl that's called uh, "Church on Mars," <laughs> and um, he's like, "Yeah, I want to write jazz in an elevator on Mars," <laughs> right? So. That's basically it. If there's one thing that holds it together, then yeah, you can still make a connection. Because I think if you say, oh, jazz, and a lot of people are scared and that it's a little complex or they, they, I don't know, but this album is, it's pop, but it's also songwriter and there's a big band, there's there's this choir and an orchestra. It just draws from a lot of things. And um but I think the voice and the melodies are pretty catchy. Um, some of them are even like earworms. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll agree like, to that. They're <laughs> stuck in my head sometimes, which is, you know, it's good and bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that holds it together. And maybe even, yeah, my voice or the vibe of my voice or even a message. Um, it's still, even though all these songs are very different, they, they are still, yeah. They still make it. I think also it was a conscious decision to to make sure that it's an album and not just twelve singles, or t- because then it's more of an experience. And I I think that's what I learned doing these edible pastry paintings with music. We you know we're throwing chocolate and cake and cream, and then everybody's watching and every every. <laughs> movement teddy makes while throwing chocolate as a you know he's a pastry chef so it's up to him but every 
Being flying makes a sound. So uh, improvised soundscapes. And we found out people just watching that. It's an experience. And then they get to eat it, obviously. So music should become an experience. It's just so easy to just download it on YouTube or on it's it's for free everywhere. But right. then you just don't release. Really, I don't know. You remember buying a record and then there's a booklet and you read it and there's maybe even a poster and you put it on your, right? It's yeah. an experience. You yeah. got your first, right? I remember when I bought my first record. What was it? What was it? An experience. I think it was maybe, maybe it was the first one was Nora Jones. Uh, okay. Right? <laughs> yeah. Don't know why. Yeah. yeah. Or it was, maybe it's been Elisha Keys. I'm not sure. Maybe that must have been in the same year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But you're... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But I remember, yeah. and you know, my parents had vinyl, so I, I my first remember my first memory of vinyl was Dave Brubeck. Wow, because yeah, they yeah, just yeah. had that laying around. So I told my piano teacher, like, I also want to do, you know, whatever you call it, jazz. And my teacher was like, Oh shit. <laughs> he was really into Bach. Yeah, he yeah. loves classical. So, but he, you know, he was accommodating. I was lucky with my piano teacher as a kid. Um, my parents were very aware of it, that it should be fun. So they right. changed me a couple of teachers. You know, when they found, finally found a nice teacher for me, I stick. Uh, yeah. So did you start yeah, with but, piano or did you start singing? I was always banging and on the piano and singing as a kid. It was just natural. I was making up songs as a, like, a, just banging it. Yeah. Like, mom, I wrote a song. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Right? <laughs> I mean, five-year-old probably i mean i probably yeah i still remember the song yeah what is it <laughs> it was in touch it was like two lines about the clouds that the clouds could be all shapes yeah but then in dutch <laughs> that's, yeah that's awesome and I think I wrote it down because I learned how to write notes and I was inspired, but my teacher at that time couldn't deal with it. Or I just, they just want to finish book one and yeah, then yeah, yeah. little fingers book two. So my parents changed me to a different teacher. And then, you know, eventually, yeah, I found an amazing teacher when I was probably eight or so. Um, yeah. But my parents were aware of it. Like it should be fun. And, well, that's that's and informative, right? right? Right, right. Well, and that's that whole kind of self reflection. Like, I'm okay with wanting to do better because right. I'm okay with who I am, and like right. that's such a strong like mental place to be. And like I, I kind of like through reading works like Effortless Mastery and just like working on my own music. And I think when you write your own music and record it, you get in your you get really in this head of like, especially singing. Like, because you're only, you only have one voice. You only have one place to start. You either like mm -hmm. embrace it or you don't. And like when I, because I, I started with guitar and I was like trying to learn how to sing and it was such a uh, like icky alien feeling. Like I wasn't just like good at it. I had to work really hard to, to be able to make some notes. But through that, I accepted where I am. You know, it was just kind of like, this is how we, you know, start. And it's almost like with a lot of right. Like, effortless mastery like ideas it's kind of like in that like this is where you are the best you can be and you move on from that and like i think right. i think because the voice you're just stuck with it and so whatever you got is a really like uh, almost kind of like jump start for that type of thinking and like that's cool that that's cool that your family was just like this is this is what you got to be doing yeah 
So like, yeah, they did not make it a big deal at all, which is nice. Well, also, for example, when when you're talking, you're not thinking, "How do I sound?" Right. Yeah. Right. And then you get singing lessons, and they tell you about this thing called bridge or a break yeah. between your registers, and <laughs> and I, I I don't agree with any of that. Yeah. You know, I could. You know, there. There's vocal cords, right? Right. And they just wiggle. Yeah. It's not square. <laughs> right? There's no break. I mean, there's... It's in your mind. Like, ooh, ooh. And of course, there's a falsetto yeah. sound that you could create. And there's like a more of a chest voice. And of course. But I would never call it break or rich because that's never going to help me make anything that you know if if you if you ask a, a five-year-old to just do oh they'll do it yeah. there's no break right yeah they just like or if you ask a two-year-old to just sit at the drums or the piano they're like ooh, yeah 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 that's Easy peasy. They're not like, how do I sound? Am I doing? How am I doing? How am I? No, they're just like, yeah, chocolate cake. That's, you know, that's Kenny's vibe. He's like, if it should, it should be so enjoyable to just make music. And then by going to music school, obviously we get in our mind and we make it romantic where it is just muscle skill, motoric memory, or <laughs> motoric skill name. It's the other way. You get it. <laughs> Right? Yes. It's your it's your body doing it. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I, you could romanticize, yeah, cool, but that doesn't oftentimes it gets only in the way. Right? What's the scary moments if you're writing a song, the empty page? So write something bad. Right. Just keep doing but it. But actually your your ego doesn't allow you to write something bad because you still write want to write something good. It's really hard to get rid of that. You should check out the book. Um I think it came out recently. Um, Rick Rubin. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw. Yeah. I uh, I haven't. The Creative Act. Yeah. Have you read that yet? They're all yeah. Okay. We just finished it last week. All little nuggets. Okay. And all, I, I do a lot of audiobooks because I'm traveling so much. So yeah, the audiobook is great. It's him reading it. <laughs> So oh, it's that's... double fun. <laughs> he has his dark, yeah. deep voice. Yeah. <laughs> Kudos for Rick Rubin too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely, will have to check that out. I, I heard, listened to an interview about it, about it, and like being aware of who he was, and like trying to find it the next day, but it wasn't out for months or something after that interview, which was weird. Ah, uh, um, okay. So I just, it's been on the in the back burner, but, but like, I definitely, it's, it's interesting, like with the whole idea of voice break and stuff like that, because like even even if there is a break, there's people that totally immerse in that, like. Um, who would be like a Dave Matthews, right? Like, like that's, there's a break, but yeah, people love it. You know what I mean? Like, or just that idea of whatever it is, working with it and making it your thing to this expression. There you go. And there's like, no right way. It's just you, your way. Right. And to play the instruments. I guess, I guess kind of going back to what we talked about before, a breathing is already kind of like a, a 
exercise for singing. <laughs> like it's right. talking well, and breathing. Guess what? You're breathing all day. Kenny right. would say that. He's going to say that to you sometimes. <laughs> I know. Dude, guess what? I know you're breathing. Ha <laughs> ha He says that. It's funny. I, yeah, and he's right. We're already breathing. Yeah. We should not make it a bigger deal than that. Well, if you blow up a balloon, right, and you just open the the the, the, the tip, it's going to be like, right. So there's something to say for breath supports. You you want to take air, mm -hmm. but you want to make sure that you're not like a balloon mm -hmm. when you sing. Right. You just want to even out, being able to just hold your breath and spread it out a little evenly. That's like muscle memory. Right. It's practicing your muscles to stay in place so you can have an open posture and use your breath to the best. Mm. But that's not like, oh, I need to breathe more and then just your shoulders go up. <gasps> that's not breathing. <laughs> right? Right. And it happens, it happens a lot. And you tell your choir, take a breath. And they all go like, ooh. <laughs> and that may, that's not chill. <laughs> that's... But it just, you know, it's so, it's human, right? We're, we're all the same. We're all hampered by our thoughts and expectations. And society is trying to even, like, make a stick with it. Right. Well, I definitely agree with that statement because, um, like, when I, reached out, when I reached out to you in the email, I work with a lot of kids that are terrified to not master something they've never done before right away. Like mm -hmm. they, they approach it, they play it and they're like, Oh, I didn't play it perfectly because I've never touched a banjo in my life. How, how come I cannot do this? This is I'm, I'm, I'm out. And like, and I, you, you know what I mean? Like it's, we can see that as absurd, right. but in their minds, like so much of everything's documented and failure is almost like traumatized in a way because people, people, you need to do well. Right. Well, and just like internet culture is like epic fail. You know what I mean? Like we focus more on like um, how we can like belittle someone's attempt than appreciate their attempt. Right. And like that's what I think so like reading both Kenny's books and diving into your works and just like listening to your interviews and his interviews. Like it's such an important mindset to be able to have is to love right. this failure because this failure is the yin and yang of you. And like, right. It's just exploring all the options. That's your, your, your duty. Rick Rubin is saying that, yeah. you know, you're part of your duty as an artist is explore all the possibilities. And then you find out some of them work and some of them don't work. And if you find about stuff, if something doesn't work, at least you try it. And yeah. then if you define success as, that's what Kenny's saying. But, you know, Lao Tse Thung, all the, he was saying, the road is the way. You've heard that. Yeah. If you define success as taking the action instead of the result, then you take more action. Hmm. Statistically, if you take more action, there's more success. Right, right. Right? The only failure is if you never make the call and you just regret never doing it. They did, I mean, I learned that in my first year of psychology, there was this study on like nurses mm -hmm. did um, a study on uh, people on their deathbed. 
they were like they questioned them about their life and the the main question was like oh what what would you have done uh, or what would you change right what do you regret and most of the the statistically uh, most people re- regret not doing something wow i wish yeah. i had done xyz right yeah. and and nobody not a lot of people said oh i really regret that i took action a you know i really went for it and and it failed no they just because in a way if you do something with your heart because that's the right thing in that moment and that's what you believe in then finding out it doesn't work is great also you know that's a success because then at least you can just change gears and find something that might work (laughs) something else so yeah, that will open up possibilities because you could be stuck in a system that's never going to change. Yeah, because you're scared to leave or you're right. Yeah, being close to yourself, I, I always found that. You know, being close to what you love and what you want to do—that's important. Is it? It takes a little courage. Of course, yeah. It takes you got to believe in. Who's going to who's going to take the trip or who's going to attempt to try that note on stage or who's going to stick the landing like before you jump, you got to, you know, there's definitely. Well, it's even about silly stuff, right? Getting a gig or shall I do? (laughs) Yeah. And like, yeah, I take a lot of risk. I don't really care. I, you know, my biggest issue is where do I get all the time? I need more time (laughs) or yeah. Find somebody to help me out with some work. And you know, that's hard. I definitely agree with that. I definitely, oh man, if (laughs) you can help me send emails or book things, that would be amazing. But I guess that's part, part of it's finding your creative approach within that, you know, that's the journey too. Yeah. Yeah. But I, and, and that's, you know, that's part of the risk too, is getting the rejection of uh, no gig or whatever it may be. But like, yeah, it's, it's, it's so important to be okay to move on from that though. And that's what, that's why I think where people get really, really hung up, which is such a bummer because that study, that's, that's, I've, I haven't heard of that, but that, that's super yeah. impactful because it is a lot. We spend a lot of times where places and where we're comfortable, where it doesn't, and like, and I guess having this kind of outlet, right? Being like uh, blessed that mm-hmm. music is is a driving thing. You kind of like, or any creative endeavor, if it's uh, baking, right? Like finding these ways to be creative with it is like right. already kind of a factor that you, you you slowly start to take these risks and get used to it, even right. if you're not training that muscle. Um, but kids already do it. Right. They're fearless. They're just like, yeah, piano. This yeah. is cool. Any new experience, oftentimes, you, you know, it, unless the parents are really. Ooh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But generally a kid is open to experience. I, I, I definitely agree. With we that. lose it yeah. because we're taught to be careful. We thought to be right. That's the word carefulness. And we're, we have to have respect in some way, but, you know, having respect could mean a lot. You can still have respect and just be yourself. Right. right? Yeah. That, and like the kind of touch base on like uh, private practice, you said you were working in like working in like a charter school, I get a little more flexibility. Right. So I get to, I get to stretch the barriers of how I 
teach music to kids, like which has made it totally. so much, yeah, yeah, made it so much more possible to completely flip the script and be like, it's not like quarter notes today, but rather it's like we're doing Dungeons and Dragons, but we're gonna play music, like like or you know whatever it may be. Um, which is really fun on my end to find a way that makes it click with these kids. But like, it, it's a risk within itself because you think you, you nail it, like, oh, they're going to love it. And then, pfft, nope, no one cares today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but you know it's it's that. Initially, you switch gears. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And like a lot of kids are like, this is kind of fun. Like, this is different than before. I like that, you know. And it, I, I do agree with what you're saying. A lot of kids are, they'll jump into it and just wail and have that freedom. And it's yeah. it's weird. We unlearn that to relearn that, like, right. and that's I guess yeah. the muscle memory of it. Um, one thing I wanted to, we were talking about is it you, you guys call it Coco Jazz, right? Yeah, well, we call it for fool now. Okay, uh, but it, we it started as a joke, chocolate jazz, right? Choco Jazz, oh, but then we yeah. changed its name because it's not only chocolate; it's also cake and flowers, edible like it's dessert um yeah and it's not only jazz because i use electronics too and loop yeah. station and synthesizer so it's a soundscape so yeah we call it vervoel which is a non-existent dutch word um it's a blend of two dutch words in in dutch it's gevoel and vervulling and that we will be fulfillment and feeling merged into each other and that creates for a non-existent but you still get it it's yeah. very confusing for oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah it's an immersive experimental dessert music experience <laughs> but i love i love how like you play with words like this is like i guess mm -hmm. kind of another thing to touch upon like not having time like writing, like setting aside time to be in that space to write music right. or write lyrics. Like I work really, I try really hard to um, allot myself a couple hours, a couple a couple days a week where I have like 40 minutes or an hour just to Beautiful. write. But it doesn't always work out like that. So I, I can't imagine someone like with your schedule that <laughs> that that's a easy at all. Like, do yes. you, you see all these post-it notes? I, 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 OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that part of your process is kind of playing with words like that? And so this I, week we we started to put. Yeah, we we, we started to put post-it notes um, to just find out all the stuff I'm currently working on uh, to create a little more structure because oh it was just a little overwhelming last week, but that's the yeah, plain words. Well, you, you know, English wow. is not my first language. I, I, I mean, so yeah, I still think in Dutch, but mm. I also think in English mm. by now. So yeah, playing around with different, permutations of stuff i i would say yes yeah it's like making a soup right all this stuff in and then just seeing what comes from it and i would say with lyrics that oftentimes happens as well um that said sometimes i have a story and a message and then there is lyrics that are more like like a story right um so there's yeah there's the songs you write in the shower and there's the songs you write by just like mixing up ingredients um yeah but both exist um in my case it comes with flows so some periods i write a lot 
And some some periods I really have to sit myself down uh, because there's just so many deadlines for, you know, uh, concerts or tours or teaching. It, I, there's just a lot. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because, like, because I'd imagine, like, um, I, I talked with Victor a little bit and, like, Victor Wooten, he, he, he has this mm -hmm. whole, like, thing with wordplay and, like, tearing apart words and finding meanings right. within the words. And then after that, I found myself doing that all the time where I'd be like bringing stuff up, maybe like not like like I'd bring it up to other teachers, like as we're like doing like student like a staff days and like, well, like, mm -hmm. the word belonging is somewhere you want to be for a long time. And they're like, are you sleeping or what? what? <laughs> like they get weirded out. But in my mind, I'm yeah. like, it's so much cooler to think of the word that way, you know? Um, <laughs> so I got to imagine like speaking multiple languages and that that's fat, like to be able to, kinda, I guess so. That's really, that's really poetic. That's so I'm cool. I'm still learning new words. I think that's statistically, you could, yeah, I, I read, let's just, yeah, I can Google that. How many, how, Many new words. Oh, it's got to be per day language learning. <laughs> it's got to be pretty much. It's got to be a fair amount. Like yeah, generally, uh, just being exposed to the world, you learn five to ten new words a day. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So times just that. not by studying, right? right. But just being supposed to yeah you at least hear about or maybe some sometimes you don't even notice um but yeah that, that yeah wow, that's that's so cool though like because when you tear apart things or add things like that like it kind of like especially with writing the weights on the word in a way like or or the the lack of weight that should be on the word like if it's in a song and it has mm -hmm. to hit a syllable to turn the thing like that, at least the focus, maybe that's the right way to put it. The focus on it, that's the, like, it gives you like a whole, and, and I think it, it shows in all your work, a different approach to these words. Like, and like so. one, one I really liked and like, uh, was bebop and a breakfast or breakfast and bebop. <laughs> I like, I love the alliteration of that. You know what I mean? I was like, that, like did you get bebop was the name of my hamster when, when I was in college? No way. <laughs> Well, the story about people, I, I, at that time, I was, it must have been like 2006 or so. I was in the university. Uh, so in, in Leiden, and I mean, and I would go to the conservatory as well, but I, I think I was writing. Um, and then I had this boyfriend and he's, he's like, but I was like, I really wanted a pet. Right. So it's like, well, if you get a hamster, you never need me. And again, so yeah, you know, for obvious reasons, for other reasons, yeah. we, we, broke up which, which was all good but it was just me and, and bebop the jazz hamster and he loved jazz every time i put on like ella he just run so basically i was left having own breakfast not with my ex but with uh, bebop the hamster that that was how it started and that arrangement later on because so, so i just wrote the, the lyrics i rem i think and at some point I met this producer from Australia and he's like, okay, let's just, he was like camping out in Leiden for a couple of months. And I think, um, I don't know how it went, but at some point he was just staying in my place on an air mattress and it's like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to create um, an acapella album where he would just go like, okay, sing me a lyric. 
sing me a trombone part, sing me a bass part. And I would just, I did not write, all of Polaroids, I did not write any note huh. down. Okay. I mean, I had, oftentimes there was a melody and the lyrics right. and some chords, but I did not do arrangements. It was all vocally semi-improvised on the spot. Mm, okay. So, wow. oh, sing me some oohs and some ahs. And that's how the whole album came together. And it was very spontaneous and very fun to create. And he he was great with logic. I back in the day, I I, I did not have a Mac, and he had all, he all had all the gear and a nice microphone. And uh, so we created that in a couple of weeks, I think. I mean, like really intensely. Yeah. Nowadays, you you hire you know you go to a studio for one day or two days, and that's how you create an album. But we were just like. We put so much time in like just recording layers and layers. Some of these songs on Polaroid are like 45 layers. They sound like it. Like it sounds yeah. so dense. Like it was just so fun to make. Um maybe, you know, maybe if I had written out like the like a choir, an official choir situation, it was probably different. Um, but yeah, this came together so organically and so fun. Um but if you compare that with like 11 years, no, that was 2011. It came out in 12, March 2012. So, and this new album came out just now. So that's quite a while. But if you compare them, I put a lot of work in it too. Yeah. Getting all the parts and creating this. Yeah. So in a way that's, that is similar, I would say. My voice uh, it sounds different to me, at least. Um, I think my voice now has grown up a little bit. Um, obviously, I'm 10 years older than 10, than 10 years ago. So obviously, and then, yeah, so there there is difference. But I think it's the same, in a way, the same vibe. Yeah, well, now that you like explain how it was made, I definitely... It's almost instead of like doing that with your own uh, uh, voice in, in the building up those harmonies and parts and, and movements, mm -hmm. you brought in other people. And like, and I think right. that really bring, like it really brings that freeness and that expression to your voice that was right. there in the other one, but just in a more like, uh, like, I don't want to say heavier tone, but like more like uh, free, free, free kind of implies like flowing, but I mean like known like this is me tone like self-actualized that's where i'm right for. yes and like that's cool like because i went i went back yeah. and forth between the two of those like a bunch of times getting ready to talk with you and like, <laughs> and, like the first album is is not on itunes or spotify the first album was in 2009 and it was sold a bunch of times but yeah. just if physical i did put it on Bandcamp though oh, okay. it's called garden and that was with uh quintet like a it it's like um nora jones vibe diana crawl um yeah it's like a little band and yeah i like i really like those songs um but yeah after after them polaroid with all the voices i was like oh how do i how do i do this so i got a it just came out the ipad the first iPad <laughs> with a loop yeah. station app. So I went wild on iPad apps yeah. and just combining the apps and I could loop my voice and found ways to actually perform Polaroid because that was an issue. Right, right, um, right. And then, me, and then I went to Berkeley um, 
So yeah, after Berkeley, I moved to New York, uh, though continuing my work with Kenny. And it was like, oh, I need to just do everything that's that's here because New York is amazing. Oh, yeah. And overwhelming yeah. so i've been gigging and teaching and for the, the i mean i just <laughs> and then COVID hit and it was like oh <laughs> i it's time for my new album because right. yeah it was never time because i was just running around i i played with kenny in the blue note and with all these famous people it's been a, such a journey yeah i was with this potter on on yeah with dave liebman i played wow. Peter Ersky, all these people, it's proximity, right? I'm in that bubble and I work hard. Did you, <laughs> uh, it, sorry, not like, well, clearly, cause you can't, you can't handle all that unless you do. <laughs> Did you find that, that kind of like, because being with these bigger names and like the, the people that are kind of in the scene, especially just jumping in and trying to, trying to fit in, in like, um, did you find like these this kind of idea of just taking the breath and just being you like made it easier to fit into all totally. this without collapsing kind of on? The... Well, obviously, Kenny gets to be there, right? And in the beginning, I told a friend, oh, I'm so honored to play with Kenny and in the Blue Note and with Chris Bro. There was all these, like, it was a band, like, oh, my yeah. God. My first gig, when I graduated, the first gig was a week in a Blue Note with Kenny. And so it was Kenny and Chris Potter, Ambrose, a commissary. I don't know if you're really into jazz, but, yeah. you know. And then Patatucci on, on, on bass, and it was Marcus Gilmore and Trump. So, like, oh, my God, the band. And then yeah. in the audience was Antonio Sanchez and Lee Connitz and like obviously journalist type of people yeah. and it was like oh I'm so honored I told my friend and my friend said don't ever say that again <laughs> you know it's I mean it's cool to be honored but yeah. they ask you for a reason if they were surgeons like like oh you could just join for the front of it here here's like a knife yeah. yeah, you cut the heart open. No, they're never going to do it, right? They're pros. This is their business. So they only, I realized that they only would ask me if they found that I professionally and, you know, sound wise added something to it. And that first, um, then, you know, I was, I obviously I had to jump on stage, right? Because there, there's no escape. And, um, with Kenny Io, it, it's always like there, there's there's a lot of improv going on, and there's always I would sing like a trumpet type of score, so there it was always like a lot of complex melodies. And um, at some point, um, <laughs> I realized he's looking at me, and I'm like, Oh, that's my solo, but you only have a second, right? Because yeah. it's the new head and you're on. And I'm like, but, you know, uh, me right now. So I had that micro second of yeah. like, oh, uh. so I, I remember closing my eyes and just like trust it. So I opened my mouth and stuff came out and the audience started like cheering like I was a rock guitar player. Like, yeah, <laughs> which was bizarre yeah. i had an like an outer body experience i have no clue what i did but they loved it i know that and that's trust trust in my voice because i know i can sing high i know i can sing low and there's i know there's stuff i cannot do yet and i love to learn mm -hmm. and by now when i open my mouth 
there's sound. It's like I'm talking. Yeah. I'm never thinking, oh, how do I sound when I talk? With singing, I don't do that. I never really did that. But I learned more. That's that's so inspiring, though, is to get to that point of letting go and like and it's so crazy that it's a hundred percent those moments when you do right like, but it's also it's like the pressure of being in a room with that like those cats like that and like yeah and, and, and he and, always puts me on a lot of bread he would like then like, a couple of year later or so and it's like oh tomorrow you're gonna sing one right <laughs> and i'm like okay tomorrow which song he wouldn't <laughs> he would just give me like a super small window to learn very something very complete. He knows I can dig it, but <laughs> it's like, oh, thank you. You know, it would have been nice to get like at least a week or something. But no, tomorrow you're on. Or even like we played in January for a whole week for two Steelmans at, uh, I think it was Five Nights at Lincoln Center. This okay. is Jazz Club. Yeah, yeah. And that was Antonio Sanchez and Anat Cohen and Scott Colley on bass. And um, oh, I'm spacing out the guitar player, uh, Chico Pinero, okay. and on harmonica was uh, Grégoire Marais. So I would sing a Tutsilman song, which is like one of these standards that they love. Um, I would sing Wonderful World or Smile or any of these. Yeah songs and so on day three or four he goes like just a second before the set oh so today you'll you won't sing uh what a wonderful world you'll sing a uh, smile and we'll do it in c <laughs> or whatever he said Sweet. and i'm like okay <laughs> yeah that's all cool. that's all good by now yeah right but... I, that even the conceptualized stuff comes out <laughs> Well, if I don't know anything, then I cannot do it, right? I would if I don't know the lyrics, there's no way I can just make up lyrics. There, there's right, there's stuff you know and there's stuff you don't know, obviously. Right. But um, yeah, he always puts me on the spot like that. <laughs> well, that's the first test, right? Are you willing to play? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. It's not I, I don't think think it's conscious though. It's just like, oh. Right? If if I say, hey, do you want some chocolate cake? You say, yeah. <laughs> it's the same yeah it's the same vibe and that it should be it should be and that, like it okay. should like you're saying it should be as as oh, i get dessert this is awesome you know what i mean like right oh. it's playing music yeah not yeah. working and you know obviously i'd love to do more gigs and you know grow my audience all that like stuff of yeah. course that's the journey kenny has the same and he still thinks he needs to grow more fame and he deserves that so yeah. i help him with the digital components of that obviously but yeah it's a process it's a journey but as long as you sound like you there is an audience it yeah. doesn't matter what your level is and I, I, it's it's like people love paul mccartney because he's paul mccartney not because of, yeah. it, like we can all play in a flat, you know what I mean, or singing like, but it's because of who it is. And right. on a on a side tangent, me and my me and my drummer have been going through. Um, you do a really good job with the Instagram stuff with Kenny, like sending those back and forth, which has been really cool. Um, <laughs> what because those are awesome. You're getting you're getting the bit and the 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 think nugget. You know what I mean, like right. 
But one another kind of I wanted to go back when you were working with like a looper. Did you did you do stuff with a theremin? Did I read that right? Well, you could have heard the theremin, but I have a theremin app, and oh. it's inside an app you should totally get, or yeah. and all your students should get it. It's called Thumb Jam. Thumb Jam. It's the okay. best app. Maybe you pay like I don't know, ten bucks, twenty bucks for the app. Okay. <laughs> Totally worth it. You can put this thumb jam. There's many sounds in it, and they're pretty real. They're, it's a really nice catalog. It's all in the box, okay. and this it's app on your phone or in your uh, iPad. I don't think it's for computer, but um, yeah. And then you can choose all the keys or all the tonalities. You can even have like velocity, velocity, and you can do pitch bend. So with your thumb, you can just like. <laughs> and you can wiggle it and yeah. then it gets you to vibrato so if you have a violin app on thumb jam then uh yeah i'm so so nerd about that but yes you can wiggle and then it's real violin because that makes a violin right the vibrato yeah. or yeah. like the the velocity of her that's the word right velocity yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yes, theremin, but no, I don't have that that cool one. I I have a friend who has the Moog uh the Moog theremin. Uh that's a toy. Yeah. But it's hard. I think it's it's a you need to find out how how to actually do it. Um but yeah, I I just have the app. Okay, okay. That's awesome. <laughs> Those are crazy instruments. Yeah. Um, check that. Check the Thumb Jam app. Thumb Jam for sure. Okay. That's awesome. Your students kind of love it. It has, <laughs> it has all the instruments. Well, they they well. That's the thing. The fun things like that, slide whistles, the things that are the goofiest. Like no, the also I guess saying out loud, they have no like social kind of expertise. Like picture, like a, a, there's right. not like a there's not like a professional slide whistler that we compare ourselves to. You know, maybe right. A it's trum. a toy, right? And that yeah, that, but the <laughs> piano is a toy. It is, and it's right. Thinking of it, like and it's got. It, well, the thinking of it like that makes it sound better because you get a better, better chance of actually getting somewhere. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, because maybe your fingers play better than your mind. Yeah. Your mind is smarter than it. That's what Kenny says. My mind is smarter than me, but my hands play better than me. Well, that's true. Like, how often are you like, thinking i guess like i mean with singing you kind of think of it as you go but how often are you just kind of feeling where that note lands like i guess like even like with like singing fills and stuff like you practice kind of patterns right like or learn kind yeah. of patterns but like when it comes to actually doing it like do you think about those like oh I you better not <laughs> no because you want only on stage you only want to do what comes out by itself right. The pro how often you, you know, you're working on a lick, whatever lick you have. And then you go on stage and in the middle of your solo, what was that lick? Your mind goes off, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's when you lose the space and the groove. Hmm. So, yeah, we could say, oh, don't do that. But, you know, it just doesn't help <laughs> to just say, oh, now I'm never going to do have expectation. It doesn't work like that. It becomes a practice. Yeah. Of just, Kenny's been practicing like um, when I met him, 2014. Yeah, <laughs> he was playing things in nine. Yeah, like 
da 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 da. Yeah. Right. For probably two years. So whatever standard he would find, and then the five minutes before the students build up the room, right? Every five minutes before class started, he was just there doing nine. Yeah. So he's just carving a path. Right. And he would never play his original in nine until it plays itself. Right. Right. Until he can watch Netflix and have his hands do it. Right. You can make a phone call with your grandma, eat a sandwich and do your taxes at the same time. There's many things you could do that just happened. And you would not spill all over to yourself. Right? Right, right. Well, it's true. So having your mind with all these opinions out of the equation, your hands might actually play better. And if they don't, then you finally celebrate because you have something to study. And that's then the fourth step of effortless mastery, how to... Get something new into your system so that you can not only do it, but un- but that it right. does it itself. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Did, like did, when you got when you met Kenny, did you kind of like start doing this method for yourself, or just continue kind of doing your thing and found the overlap just by proximity? Well, by now I get like people that really want to learn about the steps. So that's the specific steps. But this morning I had a guy who really wants to know piano. So Mm -hmm. we worked on big band voicings and how to do like jazz piano things. And then I have students that really want to, there's, you know, there's this classical singer and she wants to use the effortless mastery techniques to help her with her range. So it's a mixture of my former vocal techniques sessions blending in with you know, the need to let go of sounding good. And, this, you know, she gets that. That's cool. So, yeah, it's it's generally, I work with what the people actually need. Yeah. And um, sometimes if that means singing just one note from that space and just like, yeah, they get it. Sometimes that's what they need to learn, not like page five and you know book two of little fingers no 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 i mean i don't teach a lot of kids anyone um it's it's may yeah it's at all actually no kids (laughs) just my my berkeley kids (laughs) well yeah they probably wouldn't be a little older than yeah i think they're older (laughs) than your kids yeah (laughs) yeah well i mean some of them are probably right around that that senior high kids you're probably getting some kids that go straight from high school to there and like, yeah, probably. I think they're all around eighteen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I have older kids. students too, but uh, yeah. And then private leader, it's just a lot of adults, professionals. Yeah. But that's what makes you a good teacher is being able to figure out what they need and how um, one aspect of a thing you can enhance that so it trickles right. into everything else. And like, yeah, that's that's and 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 that's such an important thing as anyone teaches anything or anyone who's trying to aid anyone in anything to know that like though you went through the the cookbook and you followed all the steps doesn't mean the person here needs to know that there is a book you know what i mean right they may just need to have a direction right and like they'll find that book themselves you know but vivian thank you so much for chatting with me i really appreciate You're your welcome. time welcome I, I mean i know we went it was over, fun we went over um 
the time. I think I pitched in the in the initial thing, and I really appreciate it because. <laughs> Are you kind of cut chopped the recording up, or you're just good? <laughs> I I I'll chop out when I kicked my mic moving around, or when my cat was hopping around. But <laughs> other than that, I, you know, that's like being able to celebrate someone else. Yeah is is part of that whole thing and like True. one thing that i after because i reread everything to to get ready to talk to both of you guys the idea of going to a uh, a concert and not having that ego be like how come you're not doing the show you know, why mm-hmm. you have a show you should be doing you know what i mean being able to celebrate like I, I i guess as a teacher you get used to doing that a lot you're like dude you did it. You you played the thing. You yeah. Know, you get you kind of live for those moments and you live the Did tele- you see the video we posted about that listening? You don't want to listen. You're hearing everything. Yeah. But you don't want to listen. He, yeah, there's this re- Instagram reel we posted a couple of weeks. It went like it went like a hit. Everybody's yeah. sharing it. But that he's right. How often are you so in your head? You're just listening to music and you're like, oh, what are they doing? And you're just self-identify. Oh, I should, I should, blah, 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 blah. You go off and you're not even enjoying the moment. Right. right. And that's a that's another music school disease, right? We get it all up in into our we don't even feel the moment. So, you know, try it out, put some music on and then listen to it. Well, hear it because you're in the same room, but don't listen to it. Let's see. That's an effortless mastery exercise. You have to be get into the moment. That's and then make your own sound, hear it, but don't listen to it because you don't want to be careful or influenced by whatever comes out you want your to see that if you're staying out of the way if your body does it how do you sound if you're not holding back right that's oh wow that's and actually that's your voice the voice that you're using when you talk Right. Because you're not managing that. So if there's vocal teachers out there, they all say, oh, you should like sing how you talk. That's the real truth. Yeah. Right. But then uh, everybody's like, oh, I'm going to talk my line and then I'm going to sing my line. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's not exactly what you might want to do. But the cognitive, cognitive, the thinking aspect of how do I sound happens when you sing and it rarely happens when you talk so connecting these dots will create for a voice in music that's that's free (laughs) that's so true because like even just hearing like i think well when you hear bob dylan sing that's a great every everyone goes to that example like when he sings he talks he still sounds like that that cadence and even like with a, are you familiar with NMT, neurologic music therapy? No. Okay, NMT is like a really specific branch of music therapy, where it's mm-hmm. like it's it's all clinically based and like uh, um, evidence based, and like they have, I think it's ten techniques. One of which is um, ah, forgetting the name of it, but it's like where people have strokes learn to talk again through singing because one oh okay okay yeah so one one side of your brain is where you process singing the other talking right but and they're trick tickling each other right right right, right. so yes. through singing you can relearn the talk but 
what, what about the opposite, which is what you got me mm-hmm. thinking about right now. So like, gosh, what's the name of that? Um, uh, MM mnemonic i'll come back to me i'll come back to the actual like nmt term for it but like because it is it is right our cadence should match it and when you don't like that's why people right. celebrate the bob dylans and the the iggy pops of the world that sound like you know whatever it is like yeah because that's them that's yeah that's so cool I can't, yeah oh that's awesome but wow wow that's <laughs> Vivian, that's so, thank you thank you so much for like you're welcome this is like if this is this kind of like what classes go like a little bit like yeah yo spice Spiegel here you just listened to zig at the gig podcast keep riding the bebop see you space cowboy bang